Welcome to the Bourbon Boys. A uh, special episode, I guess. I don't know. These things have been sporadic lately with work and everything going on. There's so many podcasts out there now. It's sort of become less fun to do them. You know, everybody and their mother who has a, a Zoom or a mic like I do. I mean, I'm the same way. Uh, thinks they need to start a podcast. And there's 9,000 podcasts. And I mean, even the the podcasters and the the uh, dads who drink bourbon. I mean, they're everybody's everybody's falling off the old G's. Um, anyway, so this episode, I wanted to talk. I'm gonna tell a few stories uh, about Abla, uh and review his very new uh, release of Old Stubborn. Uh, it's been talked about by a lot of places, been reviewed by a lot of people, um, a lot of people that got free bottles, a lot of people that didn't, um, and, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to give a very honest review and I've had it. So I had it fresh cracked. I had it six days open and now this is almost two weeks. And what I will say from the very beginning, um, before I start stories, the first time I tried it, I didn't love it. it, it a lot of the reviews I've heard of uh, were grainy on the nose and things like that. I got that. I get it. I understood that. The first crack, it was very what Ed would call very tight. That's what he told me. It's very tight when you first open it. Um, and a couple of the stories I'm going to tell sort of, allude or to sort of give a, a picture to why he has this feeling about opening up and um and i'm sure he's explained it on podcasts numerous times but you know there's a <laughs> it's sort of a funny joke now that everybody talks about neck pours <clears throat> it's not really the amount of whiskey that leaves the bottle when you open it and it's not really it's not really the the amount that gets down past the neck or whatever. It doesn't matter about that. What the actual action is uh, that Ed believes, and as far as I'm concerned, he knows a lot. He would know a lot more about it than I would. I mean, I I believe that it changes because of the air. He believes that it's the uh, the uh, um, oils in it and the different things get bottled up when they get bottled up excuse me they get separated and then when you open it you get that rush of air that comes into the bottle <clears throat> and then you sort of get air that's entered into it outside because when they pump it into the bottle they pump it in with the the whiskey itself it's a it's a a I'm not a uh, <clears throat> a uh, chemist, but it makes sense. Um, and air getting to whiskey, you know, you leave a cup of whiskey out for the night or you leave a little bit of whiskey out for the night and you try it the next day, you could tell a big difference the next day because it's become a little bit, it's got a little bit of oxygen to it. So it all makes sense from that point of view. Um 
and I'm probably not doing what he thinks justice, but just in general sense. Um, but anyway, the first time I tried it, didn't love it. Had I didn't think it was as bad as some friends of mine that said it was terrible. It's awful. It's terrible. It's they like to wax. You know, they like to they like to speak in definites and like very. It's either great or it's terrible. There's lots of shades of gray in my opinion. And especially when it comes to whiskey, it can be lots of different things. And it's very subjective, too. It's not, there's not one person's opinion who is greater than another's. Um, unless you're talking about Willet Pot still, then you like that, you're off my list for people to talk to. Anyway, so I'm going to do a little history of me and Ed. Um, first time I met Ed, he was working at Cork and Bottle. I went there because I had just gotten into Smooth Amblers. I'd gone down there and picked up a bunch of uh, bottles for the Smooth Dramblers. Uh, well, we were the first uh, the first release. What was it called? I don't know. They did a big limited release for just the uh, the fans page, and I offered to go down there and pick a bunch up and and then ship them to people and. <clears throat> that was a long time ago. <laughs> oh, ridiculous. Uh, back when Smooth Ammo was just mom and pop, just John and John, and it, just the family. I mean, it's gotten a lot bigger now, and uh, that's for a different podcast. But um, So, yeah, I came back, and I heard he had all these Smooth Amblers that were really good, so I went up there to, to try those, and then we talked, and... <clears throat> I don't really know how I can't remember how we became friends. Maybe the fact that I just was willing to come up there and talk to him about whiskey. Um, but he sort of took me under his wing to a certain extent. Cause I was brand new. I mean, I was just, he'd been around it for a while and then I was brand new coming into it. And, uh, he took me on my very first barrel pick. Now, it's it's old hat, but the very first one I went on with him, I believe, was Four Roses, which is amazing now because most people, if you go on a, Four Roses picks, are like they're almost they're almost well they are probably on level with Buffalo Trace to a certain extent, although there's probably more of those going around than our Buffalo Trace picks. I don't know, whatever your your preference is, but <clears throat> that was the first pick I ever went on. We actually picked two barrels because back then Four Roses would let you pick, you know, if you'd like two or you like three, they'd let you take what you wanted at that point, especially for Ed. Um, so we picked Miss K- Miss Katie and Miss Kathy, I think, were the first two I was on with him. Um, and And from then on, it was sort of like anytime he had something come up last minute, or it was MGP because I had become sort of the MB, MGP and one of the MGP guys at that point. So anytime he had MGP that he wanted to run by somebody young, new, whatever, um, Mythical had just started because <clears throat> we did the first uh, Smooth Ambler pick with him. So right before that, <clears throat> we did, you know, four or five picks, mostly Smooth Amp, mostly uh, Four Roses. Uh, I think we did a uh, uh, 
Maker's Mark, which Maker's Mark barrel picks to me are he loves them. He loved them back then. He had a, he had a set a set of uh, staves that he loved. I think they're ridiculous, especially as a price. It's all the same shit. It, it's a giant vat of whiskey that they just put staves in, basically. I mean, they call it a single barrel or barrel select. <coughs> anyway, to each their own. Um, but anyway, what I remember most is going to Cork and Bottle. I go probably once a week, once every other week, because I was working for Wrigley at the time, and I could go up there during my job and, and basically just hang out for a little bit after I got off or whatever and uh, transport stuff back to Lexington if I needed to or whatever. But I always remember any time Ed opened a fresh bottle and he poured me something because they would give you pours there free to try whiskey, whatever you wanted. Uh, he would grab it from me and swirl the shit out of it. It's say you got to really let it open up. You got to get some air in there because it's going to be tight to start. And I mean to tell you when he swirled, he created tornadoes in that motherfucker. It was ridiculous how much he'd swirl this thing and he'd give it back to me. And I would, I'd be looking at this thing and still have a tornado. It's like one of having those two, two liters together and swirling around and stuff would, it was just, it was amazing. To me, I'd swirl around the last few times. Like, ah, this is, this got to be good, right? No, not to Ed, man. You had to aerate that shit. Um, <clears throat> that was, that was when I started getting into that. Like he would actually, that was the chemistry of it was he was adding air to it and opening it up so you could get the full aroma of everything. And that was, that was his whole shtick. Um, as far as barrel pick stories, we have one. <laughs> he might not love me telling this one. Uh, and I may have told it on a previous podcast, but uh, to this day, I will not go to Boone County. Um, <clears throat> because it was after Smooth Ambler, uh, uh, Mythical. So I'd sort of started becoming known as the MGP guy, and, and Mythical was sort of a group of people that had <clears throat> some little bit of buying power or whatever you want to call it, whatever it, it was just, he was going to bring me along for one of the, I was like two or three of Boone County's first barrel picks. There was like three or four guys there that were maybe picking barrels. Um, but we, it was relatively new and it was MGP and it was 10 year old MGP. But at that point they wanted hundred dollars a bottle, I think for what we had just gotten $50 a bottle from, uh, or $60 a bottle from smooth amblers. So to us at that point, uh, it was nuts, to, <laughs> it was nuts. <clears throat> to expect us to pay a hundred dollars a bottle for something that we just got for $60 a bottle. But anyway, we went because they were the new, the new up and comers and they were the new guy on the block and, and Ed wanted us all to come and, and try or the few people he invited. I think it was like 10 of us. Um, and they rolled out, I want to say eight barrels. They poured them out on the little mats in front of us and the glasses and everything. And we all, we tasted through it. Ed's whole thing was smell. He smelled all of them. Didn't even taste any of them. 
and he was already hot. He's like, they all smell the same. There's nothing that sticks out about any of these. So I go through them and I taste them all. And I'm like, yeah, very similar, very similar profiles. Nothing was great. They were all okay. But for, for this out, for this price outlandish at the time, what we thought, uh, for them wanting that at that time, we were like, we expect more at that point. So Ed leaves us. And what he tells us is he goes back to the head, head distiller at the time, but they weren't, they may have been distilling stuff, but you wouldn't have called this younger person a, a head distiller. And if you'd have seen him out at the mall, you would have thought it was just a regular old dude. Anyway, um, <clears throat> he goes back and talks to the guy and the guy's like, well, I'm not going to pull any more samples for you <clears throat> because somebody will buy them. Uh, and at this point I'd known Ed for a little bit. It probably was a year or so. Um, he comes back out and he's trembling. He's so mad because this guy was trying to sell barrels to us and not willing to put out the effort to get more samples to where we would find something we would like. And he had net out all these people. He'd like close the store down for the day and had people from the store there and, it was just an all, it was a big rigmarole. <clears throat> so we're like, all right, well, we're leaving. We're not taking anything. And then the store owner comes to me as we're standing out there getting ready to leave. And he goes, would you take anything? I was like, uh, no, nah, man, I'm out. I ain't taking none of that for that price. At this point, though, a 10 year old MGP of that run, you probably would pay whatever for it now, but at that point, we're like, no. So that was that was one of the. F- that was where I learned, it's okay to walk away. It's okay to say no, because even you had he had all these people there, and Ed was not willing to relent on his quality that he was bringing into the store. And I could tell Bourbon 30 stories for the days. I'm not going to do that because I know Ed doesn't don't want that now. And it just, it's no reason to rehash it at this point. But, um, I mean, a smooth ambler day, we picked eight barrels, a smooth ambler. It was four Corkin bottles, mythical fat, fat rhino or fat unicorn, which is a rhino. Go Big Blue and uh, Cleveland, Cleveland Barrel, Cleveland Bourbon Club. <clears throat> and their barrel, actually, he let me have first pick of what we wanted. And their barrel was actually the sister barrel to the barrel that we ended up taking. Very similar, very good, very good bottle. But that was, whew, we tried something like 30 barrels that day. And the trick to... <laughs> Whenever anybody asks me how you pick something out at that point, it's like the trick is you just got to find something that sticks out at that point. When you've sampled that much and you've got to really, especially if you're in that situation where you're trying everything that's going to be good, there's nothing bad. I mean, there's certain places you can go. You could just, you could smell it and not even try it. And you know, it's not going to be great. So but at that at that point, you were trying all ten year old whiskeys that 
were high rye or low rye MVP, and they were all good on some some level. It was just a matter of finding the best. Um, what other stories? I mean, Ed's got. I don't know. I I'm gonna cut the stories off. I mean, Ed just he's he's in a class by himself. When he told me he was gonna quit and start rising tides, I was. He's waited this long to put out a whiskey, and his standards are so high, and his palate is is good. It's so. This whiskey is 123 proof by now. Anybody who's listening to this podcast knows all the stats. 10, 11, 15 year old blended whiskey. What is it? 10, 11, 13 year old pot stilled. So pot stilled whiskey versus column stilled. Column still is going to give you a lot cleaner result. Pot still tends to be a little more funky. You get a little more variation in it. Um, some people believe in pot still. They believe in that funk. Ed is a man who loves funk. He gave me some single barrels, a belief from this run that he put in this. And they were all very almost dusty funkness, which is what I expected when I tried this whiskey the first time. Which is not what I got the first time I tried, tasted it. So, let's get into the review. What are we? We're almost 20 minutes in. This is going to be a 30 minute podcast of 20 of it, me rambling. (coughs) So, I could tell you off the giddy up. The difference in the nose from fresh cracked to seven days. I listened to the mashup with Kenny Mills. uh, And I don't know who, if anybody who's listening to this, listens to that podcast. Uh, Kenny poured like uh, four different samples. It had only been opened up that morning, but he poured them from like every 15 minutes or every half hour. That makes no damn difference. (laughs) What What you poured made no difference they were all the same at that point because you poured them all and they were all getting the same air so that is ridiculous i'm sorry i like you kenny but that's ridiculous to do that it's very nutty almost peanut brittly on the nose that same podcast somebody said unsalted peanut snickers bar i could get that but now being open two weeks, you almost get a a sweetness with it that I didn't get. The graininess is gone at this point. I don't get that anymore. I don't get the greenness. I get peanuts. I get alcohol. I get sweetness. And as it hits the back of my throat, as I nose it, I'm picking up a little toffee. 
I'm not getting oak. I haven't been hit with overwhelming oak at any point when I've ever tried this in the past three weeks, two weeks. And price. I've talked about price on this before. And Ed was somebody who and I went, him and I went back and forth on price um, when he brought this out. And he knew he, knew he was going to be hit with people talking about, is it worth this? Um, <clears throat> but his opinion is it's a truly one-of-a-kind whiskey because it's never going to be made again. The place in West Virginia that made this no longer has a pot still. They now have a column still, so it can never be reproduced. Does that mean it's great? That's up to your personal opinion. But in his opinion, it's unique and it's one of a kind. And he is a, I can't stop nosing it now. Fresh cracked. It was almost like I didn't, I didn't want to nose it. I wanted to, stop nosing and just drink it hoping that the drink took over the nose now the nose is just very inviting and it's just taking all the edge off of it being open a couple weeks okay I get a little bit that nose I got a little hint of that, maybe a little hint of that, and grainy, maybe. It's hidden. It's way back there now, though. I imagine the more time this is given, the more it's going to go away. All right, let's quit smelling it. Let's try it. I want to get back to watching Ted, the prequel. Who anybody who's watching this, it's awesome. There's no comedies on TV now. Everybody, they, they all get shut off after a season or two. We need comedies. I'm immediately hit with that peanut. Peanuts sweetness toffee there's a little bit of that youthful sweetness to it but it's very well incorporated into the entire palette now it's not the main player anymore as it opens up the nuts. It's almost like a knob creaky flavor profile in a weeder. I don't get that luscious berries or really softness to it. And I was told there was a crate. I mean, some of the people I watched do the TikTok videos and the and the Instagram videos were pining over the finish. I'm not really getting that.
I let it envelop my tongue this time. Instead of just drinking it. Okay, there's the finish. I let it linger a little more on my tongue instead of just taking it straight down. It's definitely a tongue finisher. It's not a Kentucky hung tongue finisher. Oh, gosh. So many jokes to be made there. It's opened up so much, and it's gotten so much better from the first time I poured it. But it still doesn't wow me as much as I wanted it to. I wanted to be wowed. And I'm just, I'm good. It's good. It is a good whiskey. He did a great job on his first blend, on his first public outing for Rising Tide. It just doesn't give me what I wanted. It's got the funk, man. It's got... It's got the dusty funk. But it doesn't give me enough, enough of that dusty funk for me to say, that's it. That's the dusty funk. It doesn't give me enough of that weeder that I expect the, the, the soft, delicate, fruit-forward or candy-forward finish, candy-forward profile that I expect out of a weeder. It doesn't give me enough of either one of those profiles for me to say, man, this is a, this is awesome. But it's good. Am I happy that I bought this bottle? Absolutely. Mm. I just want to sit with it and like just try to pick apart the different details of it and just the different intricate that's the one thing about it it's like you could try it four different sips and you're going to try something different you're going to get something different each time it is a roller coaster but it's just not it just doesn't hit fully hit the nail for any one thing that I wanted it to for me and like I said, this is all subjective. I've seen people that love it, and f I hope they love it. For me, it is good, but not great. Okay. Until then, enjoy your pours, and enjoy your family. Until next time. <laughs>